Morning, church. This is a year of transition for Viv and I, and so um, as it's been a year of transition, or as we're looking at it as a year of transition, I've been thinking, and, and I think it's possible to have more than one vocation. Um, and I haven't been thinking about this a lot, but just a little bit, but I think I could be the next David Attenborough, um, <laughs> the Christian version, of course. Um, and and it, was, it was only the other day that, um, you know how like animals, when they're all white, they're albinos and they're usually rare? Well, I spotted a, a, an all-white butterfly and then there was another one and another one. There was a flutter of these all-white butterflies that's got to be rare, right? And, and then on the same day, on the same day, I spotted on our lawn this most brilliant and beautiful flower. It was, um, it was, a, it was a yellow flower and it was just brilliant. Beautiful. I was thinking, how can I share this with the neighbours? And I started uprooting them and potting them, getting them ready. And then to my surprise, this flower just it turns into this puffball and you just blow the seeds everywhere. And so... Um, Unbeknownst to our neighbours, I've been walking the streets at night just blowing these seeds into everyone's yards because I want them all to just enjoy and appreciate um, those beautiful, brilliant flowers. No, not true. Not, not true at all. <laughs> but, um, but I was thinking, uh, this parable, what, what, what is this parable about? Uh, you might have seen the title slide um, uh, I, I was struggling with the title slide. This is a parable about what? What is it? And, and I couldn't quite pin it down. I thought I could, I could look in, into this passage very carefully and, and see if I could figure out what, what is this passage about. It's an important passage, like any passage we would look at, but it's important because a couple of weeks ago, we might be reminded that Vivian talked about that these parables are spoken in such a way that it's a mystery to many. Not everyone will get it. But Jesus has spoken these parables, especially to his disciples, especially to the church, that we might have these mysteries, these, these secrets of the kingdom. And in having these secrets... We might live differently. And so there's something really important in this passage or in these two passages that we don't want to miss. And, and we might immediately come to the idea that it's about weeds. And, and that wouldn't be altogether wrong. Weeds are something significant. And, and this is indeed a connecting point, isn't it, for all of us? Weeds. Uh, it spoke about the weeds as, um, in one place it said, the weeds uh, are the people of the evil one. But then again it said, um, the weeds are all that cause sin and all who do evil. And these weeds are in our lives. These weeds are in the church. These weeds are in the world. Sin, evil, suffering. And I throw suffering in there because that's often what ensues from sin and evil. This is something common to all of us. It's what connects us. And if Jesus is saying something really important about this for our life and for our living, not only might it be of benefit to us, but to others. 
to this world. So let me ask you a question. What place does sin, evil and suffering have in your life? What place does sin, evil and suffering have in your life? As we look at some of the secrets and, and, and unpack some of these thoughts, I tread carefully because I'm just speaking to a body of people, but I don't know what each of you are experiencing, what your sin, evil or suffering looks like. I do not know. And so some of the thoughts here are not meant to be glib responses to how we understand this. But I do believe that in here we are given something that is life-giving. And so maybe I start by thinking, this is about weeds. In fact, my Bible, have you ever seen somebody use the word Bible in quotation marks? Bible? Well, there's, there's the Bible, and then there's the Bible. My Bible, you see, this, this, I bought this, and when I bought this, I was very disappointed. The cover's already ripping. I was hoping this would last a long time. It's getting a bit flimsy. And, and this Bible has chapters and verses which weren't there originally, and it also has titles that weren't there originally. So in my Bible, it says the parable of the weeds. That's the title they gave it, the parable of the weeds. And you can sort of understand why, because the disciples come to Jesus later on after he's shared this, and they say, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. Must be about weeds. But I don't want us to necessarily take our cues from the disciples' interpretation of what Jesus has said. They've come and they've asked to have the parable of the weeds explained to them. I'm not sure that that's all that's there. I think it's about wheat and weeds, at least. At least. Because weeds is mentioned eight times and uh, wheat and good seed is mentioned eight times. And so if we look carefully, or if anyone does have an NIV translation and you're double-checking, you might see nine times for weeds, but that's only because at one point it says um, uh, the angels will weed out of his kingdom. The the word really is there, gather out. And so they've put it as weed, but um, it shouldn't be. So eight times weeds, eight times wheat and good seed. And so I I wonder whether we're supposed to take our cue, not so much necessarily from the disciples, but Jesus. He begins the parable by saying, the kingdom of heaven, so it says, Jesus told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. That's where Jesus starts. This is about wheat. So this next title slide is the official title, but it's, it's a bit boring. Um, it's not like titles should be. They should be succinct, sharp, like wheat and weeds. That's a, that's a good title. This next one's a full sentence. I've tried to be as um, uh, grammatically um, appropriate as I can. So it's a bit boring, but I think, I think it sums up a little bit of what this parable's about. So... The wheat is growing with the weeds present. Like I said, I know know it's not flashy, but but I think that's what the parable's about. I even put a full stop at the end. 
Oh, I just noticed um, font's a bit funny on that full stop, but the wheat is growing with the weeds present. Um, I'm going to give you a little grammar lesson as well with my nice sentence there. In, in a sentence, you have the subject and then you have the predicate. The subject tells you what we're talking about. It's the primary thought or idea. The predicate asserts, affirms or states something about the subject. The subject is the wheat. The predicate, that the wheat is growing with the weeds present, is telling us something about the subject. That's what the parable is about. The parable is about the wheat, which is growing with the weeds present. And so if you think it's about weeds, you've started off in the wrong place. If you think it's about wheat and weeds, you're getting a bit closer. But it's not just an equal balance. It's not this idea of it's about wheat and weeds. It's about good and evil, this cosmic battle. I wonder which one will win. The scriptures never present it like that, ever. It's not some sort of dualistic picture of good and evil fighting it out and we're not sure what's going to happen. It's never presented that way in scripture. This is about the wheat, which is growing, and the weeds are present. Why did Jesus need to tell them about this? Why did he need to end with, and then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father? Why did they need to know this? Because like every other human being that has ever lived, we wrestle with trying to make sense of sin and evil and suffering and its presence in light of a good and loving God, an all-powerful God. We're all wrestling, trying to make sense of that. But this is such a powerful word. There is such an important thought present here. I want to quickly highlight a couple of implications and then just sort of sit with them a little bit. So two key implications are that God will ultimately deal with sin and evil. The servants come up and they say, should we pull the weeds out? Should we deal with this sin and this evil? And the disciples might wonder that when Jesus leaves, what's our job? And he says, leave it. I and and the angels will deal with that. Uh, The obvious objection is, what are you saying, Jerome? We shouldn't worry about sin. Sin in our own lives, sin in the church, sin in the world. Don't worry about injustice, Jerome. Is that what you're saying? Just leave it. Jesus will deal with it in the end. Clearly I'm not saying that. There's more than enough in scripture that talks about um, uh, how we deal with sin in ourselves, that it treat it seriously, that it's okay to make judgments between right and wrong, to fight against injustice. But I think what I'm talking about is there is a way in which sin, evil and suffering almost becomes central. It becomes such a focus, such a burden that we live weighed down watching the news. Some of us can't get past the hurt and the pain and the bitterness of things we've experienced. There is a way in which 
the weeds are so predominant in our story, in our narrative, that that, that, that's unlike what we're presented with. The subject is the wheat. And the predicate is that the wheat is growing even though the weeds are there. That's a different narrative. There's a way in which, while we don't always understand every evil and sin and suffering going on, we trust the words that Jesus has spoken. He will ultimately deal with all of that. And the other thought is that God will grow his kingdom in the midst of sin, evil and suffering. that growing is actually taking place. Let me just, this is just a small taste of looking at it in three possible ways, looking at it in terms of how God is growing his kingdom in the world, how God is growing his kingdom in the church, how God is growing his kingdom in each of us individually. At least one way in the world we read about is in... um, 2 Peter 3.9. In 2 Peter 3.9 it says, um, and this is in reference to this promise that Jesus is going to return. And so this verse is read in light of that. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so this might be an element of mystery to us. We don't know when God thinks it's enough and and his kingdom is full, but he's waiting. He's wanting more. He's wanting to fill his kingdom with more, that he's being patient, that somehow in this time, while sin, evil and suffering is going on, that even in that midst, in the midst of all of that, God is growing his kingdom patiently waiting. Another way within the church that we see it in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. And I remind you, these words are not words that I would use if I was pastorally dealing with somebody, sitting down and giving them all the reasons why we might consider sin and evil is still present and going on. But these truths are there for us that sometimes when we're not right in the midst of it, that we might consider these truths. I don't know if you've ever been in the moment of struggle and pain and suffering and then caught a glimpse and gone, oh wow, I've changed. This, in the midst of this suffering, I've changed. And you, there's almost an excitement, I'm growing. And it changes how you look at that suffering or that pain that you're experiencing. In James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In the church, when we when we sometimes see numbers decline or we see the church struggle, what is 
the attitude of our hearts in that. Do we feel like sometimes things are futile, trying to build this ministry up and it, it's so hard? Or I build it to a point and then it falls down? Can it sometimes feel futile, like a struggle? These words are given to the church right there at the beginning. But in the midst of their struggles, there's opportunity there to see that God is refining us in ways that maybe we don't understand yet. But what if we believed it? What if we could believe that God is truly at work in his church, even in the midst of trials, declining numbers, a world that seems to be, or a society around us that might be more and more resistant to the gospel, that God is actually finishing his work in us so that we might be mature and complete. And then um, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, um, this is the story of Joseph sold into slavery by his brothers and his brothers wondering whether Joseph is now in a, in a, power, a position of power, how is he going to treat them? What's he going to think of what they did to him? And he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He looks at the suffering and the harm that was done to him and he sees God's greater purpose in it. And of course there's in Romans, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I have to keep reiterating, these are not supposed to be glib answers to somebody right in the midst of their pain and suffering. Because I think there is also simply the element that sin and evil's continued presence can also be a mystery to accept, not a mystery to solve. We try to come up with all the answers and sometimes I don't know. As I'm speaking or talking or dealing with a particular person and their struggle, I'm not sure I know or can understand or see what God is doing. But I have this parable, I have this word and this promise that the wheat is growing. Nothing is going to stop the wheat growing. I asked a question at the start. I asked, um, what place does sin, evil and suffering have in your life? Sometimes it has too big a place because the subject is the wheat and it is growing. I um, played soccer for a small stint and um, uh, I noticed that every time I kicked the ball, the word sorry would come out of my mouth. Sorry, 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 as though every kick was a mistake. Sorry. Some people are fixated on all that's wrong in themselves, in others, in the world. Sometimes we see things happening in the world and, we, and, and, we're, and we're so fixated, like, it's, it's our job to fix this. 
the church does have a role. God's kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Yes, but ultimately it will be God who will put it right. So when it's going wrong, am I crushed by that? Am I despairing? Sometimes we in the church can be despairing. But that's different to the message of the wheat. And it's growing. The weeds are there, but the wheat is growing. I like the way the Apostle Paul says, you know, I I haven't attained all that God has for me, but forgetting what is behind, I look ahead to take hold of the goal, of the prize. And one of the ways I've seen God at work in me as Lent is is upon us Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, this time of Lent, when I first came in 2019 here, um, I was surprised to hear Andrew say he was fasting in Advent. I've fasted in Lent before, now, not in Advent, but since 2019, I've now taken two seasons to fast, um, Advent and Lent. Advent, the period before Christmas, and Lent, the period before Easter. And, um, and I've journeyed in that. I've tried to sometimes fast in a very, I don't know, um, in a wrong way, where I'm focusing all on what I'm giving up and the, and the sin I'm going to put away. And, and it's all about that. And I've learned to just relax. The, the goal for me is creating space, actually. I just keep that in my mind. I'm creating room and space. Uh, my fasting often isn't with food. I have enough dietary issues. I have to eat all the food I can get. Um, I, I fast um, uh, television um, and like I said, I first started out trying to completely not watch any television, but, but then I just sort of relaxed about that. And, and what it was, was the goal was actually creating room. And with that room, I found I was reading a little bit more. And now, over a period of four years, my reading has increased. Creating space for God has increased. I didn't worry. I didn't fixate on all that was wrong with me or fixate on all that I wasn't doing or all that wasn't happening. I just created space. So let me ask a different question. Not what place does sin, evil and suffering have in your life, but what place does the kingdom of heaven have in your life? This high-speed skier was once asked, how do you you not smash into a tree? He said, I look for the gaps. What happens when you focus on a tree? You'll hit it. What happens if you start to look within the gaps and the spaces and you create space for the kingdom of heaven. So don't worry about what you're not doing. Don't always look at what's wrong with others in the world. Also remember to make space and look for how the kingdom of heaven is growing. The weeds are there, yes, But that's not the central primary, it shouldn't be the primary part of our narratives and our stories. We know it's there. But Jesus has spoken. The weed is growing. Your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Amen.